You are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to another episode of the Meet and Write podcast. We are happy to have with us a very special guest and friend, Father Soriel. We are happy that you are with us. Father Soriel is a priest at St. Luke American Coptic Orthodox Church in Boca Raton, Florida. So thank you, Abuna, for taking the time to be with us here on this podcast. Thank you, Father Nathaniel. It's really a blessing and an honor. I've been a longtime fan and listener to the podcast, and it's kind of weird being on this side (laughs) of the podcast, but it's really a pleasure to be here with you. Well, we're happy that you are with us here for season two, an episode for this season. So, Avuna, we can see that liturgical worship is following a template, a model. It's reflecting what Jesus instituted for us at the Mystical Supper, at the Last Supper. And we can kind of see those elements, and we are just following that continuity. But if we press the rewind button and go a little bit further back, we see that th- that this ancient corporate worship, this liturgical worship of us celebrating the Eucharist, not only do we find uh, hints of it in, in, in Jewish scripture, but let's even rewind even further that the institution of this worship of us abiding in God is divine, is holy, is heavenly. So, you know, that's a, a, a broad statement I want to throw out, and I would love for your reverence to kind of take it and expand upon how does this, it seems like these random components put together for liturgical worship, but are these elements are found in heavenly worship. That's right, Father. It's uh, It's quite beautiful to see that the tradition of our church is not a man-made tradition. It's actually God-given. It's it's patterned after heaven itself. And we're going to see that as we go through the scriptures for today. So the first scripture I want to share with you that to show that our worship is patterned after heavenly worship is in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 4 to 5. And that says, There are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was when he was about to make the tabernacle so what this scripture is telling us is that what Moses made in the tabernacle in the old testament is actually just a copy of heavenly things a copy of the tabernacle in heaven and a copy of how worship was prescribed by God himself So the Old Testament prescriptions are not just random with different colors and fabrics. They're actually designed to mimic heaven and to reflect heaven. And so is worship for us in the New Testament church. It's in the same way it's actually prescribed to be after heavenly worship. And we're going to see that through a second scripture that I want to share with you today in Isaiah chapter 6. Sure. So, I mean, you know, St. Paul, an ex-Jew... Is, is connecting, is building a bridge for us as readers of us knowing that these these isolated random commands and laws for worship that, that God gives his people is not random, but it, it's to shadow something so much more. So, you know, so he's building a bridge. Now, if, if, if you can lead us, Abona, into even expand upon one revelation of 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 communion of worship of heavenly worship and which i which was revealed uh, to isaiah absolutely so if we open to isaiah chapter 6 there's this famous vision of isaiah's calling 
to be God's prophet. And he sees God and he encounters heaven in this marvelous and awe-inspiring encounter. And it's described to us in awesome detail um, in Isaiah 6. And I want to go through it with you to show that our divine liturgy has its roots in what Isaiah saw. And our experience in the divine liturgy, just like we pray in the litanies of the Agbeya, whenever we stand in your holy sanctuary, we are considered as those who abide in heaven. So when you come to church on Sunday and you enter that church, you're actually entering heaven. You can close your eyes and you can start by lifting your heart to God and asking him to let all your worries and cares of, of your life and your the stresses of day-to-day life just be put on pause and be all placed at his feet at his throne in heaven and you come in with Isaiah to God's throne room and see what Isaiah saw and experience what Isaiah experienced as you stand and chant and look around and and worship really entering into God's presence at his throne room and in the gospel of John chapter 12 41 we saw that the person that Isaiah saw high and lifted up was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because in uh, John 12 41 it says that these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him meaning Jesus and so Isaiah is encountering God with his vision the first sense Mm -hmm. is the sense of vision and in the divine liturgy we encounter God through our eyes as well Mm -hmm. we see icons of the Pantocrator we see icons of the Theotokos icons of all the saints the cloud of witnesses who surround us during the liturgy we really are standing in heaven in the liturgy we uh, see um, incense we see beautiful vestments that the priest wears and the deacons where we see with our eyes the body of our savior and the chalice that contains his blood so many different visual things candles all of these things are designed to inspire us to really be in heaven at the moment and they're there to help us and so when you're in the liturgy it's kind of nice to um forget the little silly things and funny things that can distract Mm. you you know like watching kids or letting screaming kids kind of get to you and distract your prayer don't let that get to you just remember you're standing in heaven and everything around you is supposed to help you enter into that heavenly Mm. presence Mm. yeah and 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 it's clear how much isaiah was overwhelmed with just his sense of seeing and then obviously we are reflected in, we reflect that as well in our liturgical worship. If we look at another sense in which Isaiah kind of articulates for us, he 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 writes and, sh- and shares something that he heard. Um, so, I wonder if you don't mind sharing with us what did he hear and and what's the continuity of that what he heard and which we use in liturgical worship today. Absolutely. So Isaiah, with his sense of hearing, hears angels and heavenly choirs sing holy 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 so this is really if you ask where's that in our liturgy it's it's chanted a few times yeah. once in the trisagion or if you're familiar with the greek version agios otheos holy 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 and also later in during the liturgy of the faithful when we talk about what the cherubim and the seraphim are singing 
when we say the cherubim worship you and the seraphim glorify you, proclaiming and saying, holy, holy, holy. Mm. So the church is calling us in the divine liturgy to have this picture of Isaiah chapter 6 in our heart and mind when we hear these hymns being chanted. We are really in the presence of God at his throne. Mm. And the angels that we see, you know, in the divine liturgy are basically the chorus of the deacons. Those are the, they remind us of the angels praising in heaven without ceasing. Mm. And this beautiful presence of the angels invites us to lay aside all our earthly cares as we come into the presence of God and to join them rather than clash with them. Imagine that you're being ushered into heaven to join with the angels and then all of a sudden you know, you're not really interested to join in on the excitement in heaven. You're more interested to uh, remember what you have to do after the liturgy or to think of something distracting like, oh, that deacon really, really messed up that hymn. Yeah. Uh, oh, Abuna forgot this part or this kid was running around. Or the deacon forgot to click the, the next slide. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. God is calling us to join the heavenly choirs to make our heart synchronized with what the angels are doing in heaven and praise with them and give our hearts in worship to God completely. Yeah, I love that. So a, a big sense, if we look at the senses of, of the human experience in which Isaiah kind of really emphasizes and, 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 and is an, obviously an integral part to, to our liturgical worship is Isaiah puts in, in great elaboration of his sense of touch and taste in which what was revealed to him. If you can elaborate on what Isaiah experienced concerning the sense of touch and taste. This is one of the coolest ones, actually, because in the divine liturgy, the climax of liturgy is to be united with Christ and with the body of Christ by receiving the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so we see this very strange thing where an angel takes a burning piece of charcoal and takes it with tongs from the altar and places it on Isaiah's lips. Obviously, this is a clear imagery of the fiery uh, uh, divinity of the body of Christ being placed on the tongue of every faithful member of the church as they approach for communion. Mm -hmm. And so this burning coal is that body of Christ that we all receive. And when Isaiah received that charcoal, he said, woe is me. He felt that the sins of his people and his own sins are making him unworthy of what he's experiencing and this purification of this charcoal that was put in his mouth. Mm. And he felt at that point that seeing the king and having the charcoal in his mouth, really, he became really aware of his unworthiness. And so it is with us too when we approach for communion. We approach with a a penitent spirit, a spirit of gratefulness, of joy, of hope, feeling that we are unworthy, but we're also in great need of this purification, that the blood of Christ would purge our sins like the charcoal purged Isaiah's mouth so that he can go out and prophesy and fulfill his God-given uh, mission to God's people. And this is the power of the sacrament that we receive yeah. in the Divine Liturgy that we can also go out of the liturgy and proclaim with Isaiah that we have been cleansed. We are now empowered. We are now forgiven. We have um, 
become the body of Christ through the Eucharist, united to Jesus and united to our brothers and sisters um, in the church, and empowered to go into the world and preach the gospel and live out our faith and bring others to experience this beautiful heavenly reality in the church that we experience. Yeah, I, I love so much of how Isaiah writes down that when when he is when 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 the coal touches his lip, his words are that I am undone. So it's as if like you know for me it personally like encourages me saying what is like my pride, my ego, my lust, my sin. This is like this wall that's blocking me from abiding in his unconditional love. But when I come and abide in him, I am undone. Like all that is is, is unraveling. All that it needs to be, you know, trampled down and, and be put down for me to, to come with my weakness, to put on strength, to put on life, which is me abiding in him. So like his repentant words of, of, of communion is saying, I, I, I am undone. So obviously, you know, you know, language used in liturgical texts for us to have a repentant heart, for us to be undone, is is threaded all throughout liturgical worship as the church prepares me, not only as I partake of him, but from, from the night before. So it's all there to prepare me for me to be undone so I can partake of the holies for my edification. Absolutely, Abunat. The last sense that Isaiah uses and experiences in heaven, and we also um, use in the liturgy, is the sense of smell. So it says that the house was filled with smoke. So heaven was filled with smoke. So there was incense in heaven. And we, obviously, if anyone has been to an Orthodox liturgy, we use a lot of incense. And this incense really points us to Christ's sacrifice, that he was the one that was the fragrant offering on our behalf to the Father so that we can be purged from our sins. And, you know, us offering incense is important in the liturgy. We see the prophecy in the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 11, of uh, all the Gentiles offering incense to worship God. So when we as Gentiles offer incense, we are fulfilling this beautiful prophecy in Malachi uh, 1, 11, For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And and for us, when we hear, you know, biblical texts as far as the importance of incense, if God wants us to worship him with incense, we say, yes, sir. And, and that becomes an integral part to us. So Isaiah sees it. We see it in, in other aspects of, of, of biblical worship, uh, you know, involving incense. So we do the same. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not something random. It's not something just to, you know, just for the sake of doing it. it obviously, it has its basis. God has asked us to, to, to worship him, to communicate with him using incense. So we, we take that very seriously when it comes to, to ancient liturgical worship. So what I would love for you to to kind of wrap us up as far as what is Isaiah's response to now that he like in, in this revelation that he has as far as abiding in God through through the from this burning coal touching him and him being undone. What is his response now as he now you know abides in in, in God? Absolutely. You know Abuna Isaiah enters into this throne room and into this vision, feeling extremely unworthy, incapable of 
being a prophet or proclaiming a message to the people or doing anything. But after receiving this vision, after receiving the burning coal, <clears throat> he ends in on a completely different note than where he started. Um, and God, you know, asks, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Mm. And then Isaiah from becoming timid now at the end of this vision, he says, here am I, send me. Mm -hmm. And we see from this in the New Testament context that worship in the liturgy is mission. We are called to go out into the world to say, here I am, send me. So at the end of the divine liturgy, after you partake of communion, when you pray the prayer after communion, for example, after you're done, it's beautiful to have that same sense that Isaiah had, that now I'm ready, now I'm equipped, now I'm empowered, now I'm forgiven, now I have a message um, to go out into the world and proclaim, here am I, Lord, send me. And I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm not relying on anything in me. I'm relying on the gift that you've given me. You filled me with your spirit. You filled me with your son's body and blood. And now I can confidently say, here am I, send me. Help me to go out into my place of work and proclaim your love to people. Help me to go at, to the place of school and stand out as a light, someone who's been enlightened and empowered and filled with God's presence and love and able to share that with the world. Go send me, Lord, into my family, into my, my home, and help me to, to treat my uh, family members with the same love and dignity and respect and forgiveness that you have expen ex extended to me, the unworthy sinner. Yeah, and I, I, I love one of you wrapping, up, wrapping us up with that point because sometimes we fall into the trap of just saying, oh, you know, I had communion and I pat myself on the back and I call it a day, you know, and, and I say, you know, I just, I, 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 I just partook of God and I'm good to go, right? But no, I mean, this is where it begins for me then to continue to be the icon of him out in the world and, and to have that mindset embedded in our hearts in the same way Isaiah did. Thank you so much, Abuna, for taking the time and sharing with us this great message. It's really a pleasure and a blessing, Abuna. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CopticHymnsInEnglish.com.